Hi there. It's 8 p.m. in Prague, 9 p.m. in Kiev, 10 p.m. in Moscow, and the beginning of a chilly night in November all over the former Eastern Bloc. It's a month when Czechs remember the fall of communism in this country in a peaceful revolution led by Václav Havel now 25 years ago. Is what happened here in Prague on November 17, 1989 still relevant? Welcome to the Progcast. This is the second episode of our new podcast, a regular look at life in the Czech Republic through the eyes of members of the NYU Study Abroad program in Prague. I'm Laura Zablit. Thanks for joining us. November 17th was the start of the Velvet Revolution, a nonviolent movement that sparked the transition from totalitarian communism to a democratic state. So what exactly happened in those extraordinary six weeks between the violent suppression of the Peaceful Student March on November 17th and the election of dissident playwright Václav Havel as president on December 29th? Lena Chappelle looks back at those momentous events. Let us pass, let us pass, the students chant over and over again. The voices fill the air in song that reverberates and soon fills the space in which they have gathered. It's remarkable to imagine all these young people stand together, united in one singular cause, as they express their dissatisfaction with the communist regime. Like the movement itself, the rendition of We Shall Overcome starts low, but as the voices join in, it swells to the point of bursting and overwhelms. Their song carries a message of perseverance and determination, made stronger by the idea that together they walk, hand in hand, towards a better future. Loud and angry, thousands of voices rage against the police in this confrontation. 25 years later, and their anger is still contagious, and it's all too easy to get caught up in the past, feeling as though you're there, participating in the start of the revolution. The gritty sound of a police radio transmitter, static and staccato, gives you a sense of the urgency and confusion for the authorities as events unfolded on November 17th. As the recording progresses, you can hear the voices of the students protesting loudly and the urgency with which the police communicate. Within hours, the riot police will begin attacking the peaceful student demonstration, causing a backlash that was immense. Dobrý den, vysíláme zprávy televizních novin. Praha. V 
This is a Czech television news report from November 20th, 1989. For days, the official communist-controlled media barely covered the demonstrations. The first item in this bulletin is a report about the national meeting of the Socialist Union of Youth. But the second item reports on a rumor, which turned out to be false, of a student killed in the police crackdown. It was this false rumor which brought hundreds of thousands into the streets. Demonstrations swelled by the day. At one point, Václav Havel addressed a crowd of half a million from a balcony on Wenceslas Square. But one week later, music journalist Jiri Sherny stepped forward to the microphone to make the following astonishing announcement. Now we are in time when there are beginnings of real opposition in our country. Václav Havel is perhaps the best-known name in Czech history. He was known for being many things, a playwright, an essayist, a poet, a philosopher, and a dissident. I think what will happen in the next time and in next minutes, hours, days, weeks, uh, I don't know, of course, but I feel that something has to change in our country. Slibuji na svou čest a svědomí věrnost but on December 29, 1989, he became known as something else, the first democratically elected president of Czechoslovakia in 41 years. The transition from dictatorship to democracy was almost complete. Lena Chappelle with that look back at the events of 1989. Today, Jan Urban is a teacher a professor here at NYU in Prague. 25 years ago, he was a dissident, an outspoken critic of the communist regime. He was at the first student gathering on November 17th, but didn't follow the students when they marched onto Narodny and headed off for a previous appointment instead. He takes up the story. I went to have a dinner at the house of my British friend, a diplomat who was leaving. And uh, in the middle of the dinner, another friend came in, uh, bruised, and told us about the events on the Narodni Trida. And dinner was over. When parting, I told John, my, my host, well, this is it. I hope that before you leave, we will give you a new government as a present. But it was a very dark joke because... We still didn't see the end. We just saw the confrontation. Uh, So what happened after that? Next day I uh, had to escape my flat over the roofs and scaffolds because of secret police. And we started to organize a united opposition which ended in launching Civic Forum. And uh, I didn't come back for nearly a month. To your flat? Mm-hmm. Because I uh, stayed with Civic Forum organizing it, and it was 24 hours a day a job. My family visited me occasionally <laughs> in my office, but uh, it was fun. 
It's a period that I'm proud of, that, uh, that was interesting, but very quickly, after a few days, it became clear that, uh, in my opinion already then, it, it went into the wrong direction. So soon I um, said it even on, in public that um, I see as my task to help the effort to defeat the uh, Communist Party in free elections, and after that... Mm, none of my business. Well, what do you think the wrong direction was and what do you think the right direction would have been? We were absolutely unprepared. When things come to the issues of power, it is a craft. And if you don't know it, you can create so much mess. It's not about bright ideas. It's about hard, very hard work and incredible amount of responsibilities, especially in these critical periods like November 17th, 1989 was. We were not up to the task. So now, today, 25 years later, would you consider all the effort that you've put forth to have paid off? Very complex question. Um, I am enjoying every day of it on a personal level because I've learned so much. I have changed my life. Um, I don't have to run away. I don't have to hide, I don't have to fear, and that's a blessing. On the other hand, I would wish to be proud of this country, and I have very little reason. I see too much of communist time instincts in, in many people. Lately, I'm terribly worried with the rising influence of Russia, and it's most imperialist version in, in Central Europe. And um, old instincts start coming back. I don't know what it will do, but, but it's, let's put it this way, it's getting me angry. Would you consider the, um, the communist instincts and the lack of willingness to be loud and to be heard, would you ever consider that to be an insult to the work that you and others put forth in preparation um, the revolution? At one point, we realized that we can do anything we want. This was a unique situation once in thousand years. Unfortunately, we failed. We could have achieved a thousand times more. This country could have been different. if just shown the right trick. And um, we failed in this. Jan Urban speaking to me earlier. We had the opportunity to be here on the anniversary of the student demonstration that started it all. The people of Prague took to the streets to commemorate events past and to protest events present. McKenna Bigelow and Yena O oh were out and about on the streets that day and sent this report. Okay, so we've just started from Narodni Tesco, and the students have started walking down Narodni. Uh, we're not sure where they're going, but um, a lot of them seem excited to be here. I, uh, I'm from Czech Republic, and today we're here to support um, the celebrations of the 25th anniversary of the communism itself, actually in the, in the Eastern Europe. 
So that's why we're here, and we want to say thank you to the world democracy leaders. They're all holding signs that show a leader that has done wrong and a mind through it. And then Bako Havel is on the other side with no X, so and I'm, it says thank you for uh, the 25 years. One person holding the signs was Rene Gomez Manzano, an active Cuban dissident. He was there at the event, walking amongst the students and citizens. I have been uh, a political prisoner in Cuba for uh, two, two occasions. This uh, Velvet Revolution in 1989 uh, was a, a very important uh, an event of uh, worldwide uh, historic uh, importance. And uh, well, we're all celebrating the, the 25th anniversary today. So in this small space, um, a lot of, it seems mostly Czech people have gathered here. Um, and they're laying down lots and lots of candles, flowers, and I even saw a man standing there with his eyes closed in remembrance of what's happened here. Funny thing is, I've walked by here a bunch of times and never noticed that this was hidden away in a little, tucked away in a little corner. But now today, everyone has gathered here to pay their respects. Some, like those at the Neroni Hay Memorial, were there to remember their past and celebrate the progress that their country has made. Others, however, were there to protest the present. That Monday was also witness to a series of protests in Prague because of dissatisfaction and controversy of the current president, Milo Seman. Some people also gathered at the famous Nadoni Street to hold up red cards for President Seman. Martin Prieskrill, one of the organizers of the red card movement, explained to us what the card meant to them. Uh, it's a referee card, like from a soccer or something like that. And uh, it symbolizes that basically uh, we would like Mr. President to to go out, basically, like uh, out of the playground. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> because he did so, so much wrong things that okay. he should It's been a long time since 1989. The Czech Republic has enjoyed 25 years of democracy as its memories of communism fade into a distant past. As many have stated, Monday's events marked a time of celebration and respect for the leaders from this crucial point in Czech history. For others, they presented an opportunity to exercise their democratic rights, to speak out about their current political situation. With this combination of dramatic yet mixed emotions, only the Czech people can decide how their country will look in another 25 years. McKenna Bigelow and Yena O oh with that report. If you stand on Narodny today, you see a KFC, a Tesco, and a Subway sandwiches. Where the demonstrators once were beaten by police, now foreign visitors mill about. So do they have any inkling of the momentous events that unfolded here? Lillian Marks and Yena O oh stopped a few tourists and asked them. Uh, I know that yesterday was a celebration, uh, a national celebration for students' uh, manifestation in 1939 and 1989, but uh, I, I just know this. Twenty-five years ago, there was the freedom. This country became free uh, after the communism stopped, and in '78. Um, a student in this in this square. Okay, I could ask in 68, 68. A student uh, burned uh, himself. himself in this square. 
Do you know what happened uh, on Narodny Street here 25 years ago in 1989? Uh, yes, this is where the students were all beaten up, isn't it? Where uh, they were protesting against the uh, communist situation. So yes, the, the um, velvet uh, <laughs> revolution. Sorry, I couldn't just think of the time. Had rather a lot of wine <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> well, she got there in the end. It's no surprise that some tourists don't know the relatively recent history of the Czech Republic, but some locals might not know either. Not every native of Prague is old enough to remember life under communism, but Katezina Pavlitova, the marketing director at Prague City Tourism, does. She took Ty Matsunaga and me on a walk through Prague to help us understand how what we see today is different from what she saw before 1989. Well, this uh, little square or plaza, because it's not really a square, um, you can you can tell, you know, long-time residents from Prague, uh, from the newcomers or, or out-of-towners, by how they uh, refer to this location. For those of us who are in our 40s or perhaps older, we still call this place Utanku, which means by the tank, um, because there was a tank here for many, many, many decades, and it was uh, tank number 23, which was supposedly one of the first tanks that rolled into Prague in May of 1945 as part of the Soviet army, which liberated Prague. The reason the tank became controversial later is because um, the Soviet um, army occupied Prague in 1968. And so ever since that time, this tank, which was originally placed on a pedestal here as a sort of a memorial to and an expression of thanks to the Soviet army, became a, a hated symbol of oppression by um, the Soviet Union. What happened after um, the events of November of 1989 is that one of the then very young and up-and-coming artists, David Cherny, who is uh, really one of the internationally best-known contemporary Czech artists nowadays, did a sort of happening and painted the tank overnight, the color pink. The tank was repainted, that military green, and then it was repainted again by some Czech deputies in the parliament, pink again. Finally, they decided to get rid of the tank altogether and build this fountain here, which doesn't offend anyone. And so I guess, do young people also refer to it as the tank, or do they just call it the fountain, or is, does this hold any sort of significant meaning for any of them? I think that, like I said at the beginning, I think that you know only people who actually remember it uh, would call it um, at the tank or by the tank. So I think anybody who's younger than, you know, in their mid-30s or maybe even 40, will not call it that. We'll just call it the Kinski Garden, which is the name of the, the park that's sort of behind us. So we're just um, in a neighborhood called Smichov, which is not known as one of the touristy areas in Prague. And we're just walking, you know, down 
uh, one of the many blocks uh, with uh, very nice colorful facades here. And the big difference in appearance from what it used to be um, those 25 or more years ago is that as you can see all the buildings are very colorful and um, they are very nicely restored. When I was growing up in Prague I had no idea about the beauty of many of these facades because they're perpetually blackened by soot. Um, Prague used to be 100% coal heated and then of course the smoke uh, settled on everything and so the most of the facades were really practically black and um, also because uh, during communism there wasn't uh, nearly enough money for the maintenance of you know the more aesthetic aspects of buildings like the facades many 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 buildings were covered by scaffolding because when small pieces of the facade started falling down it of course was dangerous for the pedestrians below so the solution was to build a scaffolding that would protect uh, the the people walking underneath um, and as a result my my strong memory of being a you know girl uh, growing up in Prague was that I was always walking through these tunnels under the scaffolding and when you looked up you would just see some dirty planks and some you know plastic sheeting but you would never actually see what the buildings looked like <laughs> So today we're here and we're seeing cars everywhere, especially in the city center. But it's interesting that before it was maybe safer for bicyclists and things like that uh, because there were less cars. When I was growing up here, um, a car was, you know, something that every family aspired to, but it was a lifelong investment. Uh, there were long wait lists for cars and basically you had a choice of some domestic cars, uh, Škoda brand, which were terrible cars at the time. And then the other cars that were available were a Russian car called Zhiguli, which was later renamed as uh, Lada, or two types of German cars, which are equally terrible East German cars, and the legendary Trabant, which was made out of plastic. And uh, the more luxury type car was the Wartburg. Uh, so th those are essentially the four types of cars that were on the market. And uh, let's cross. And you had to be on a wait list for quite a few years usually to get um, the chance to buy any of them. And our thanks once again to Katezhina Pavlitova from Prague City Tourism for showing us around. So what about the youth voice? The voice of Havel's children, you could say. There's now a generation of young, college-educated Czechs who were born well after the Velvet Revolution. How do they view the post-communist country they've grown up in? Blanka Sholava is a Czech student we found holding up one of those red cards against Miloš Zeman. She shared with us her frustration with the current president and her pride in student involvement on the anniversary. I've been born in, a, in Czechoslovakia, but in democratic countries, so for me it's kind of impossible to actually imagine how it was. But if I talk to my parents or my grandparents, it's it's really cool to see the opportunities young people have nowadays. You know, we can travel, we can say, do whatever we want, we can write whatever we want. And of course, because we are young democracy, it's like people tend to take it for granted. But it just takes time to build it. And of course, there are problems, there is corruption, there are many dark sides of democracy, but oh, we don't have the huge history of the huge tradition as the Great Britain or the United States. So it's just, it takes time. Yeah. Do you have, is there ever conflict between you and the people who lived in communism, your parents or grandparents, because you have different behavior? Um, 
I think it's, you know, people somehow, at least I feel it that way, that people somehow inherited uh, the, the point of view from their families. So, mm -hmm. for instance, I'm very glad that the communist regime is over because it, that's what I've been taught by my parents and my, by, by my grandparents. But of course there are people from families who, whose parents did support the regime who are disappointed today by several things. So it depends. Yeah. It depends who you ask. <laughs> and what were you saying about how the young people are embarrassed more now, but today is special because everybody's here? Well, in a couple past couple of weeks, um, especially our president uh, has said things which I'm very embarrassed of. Um, and I feel that he's kind of embarrassing the Czech Republic or position in a war because the only few things you can read about us is just how he was drunk etc etc but then there are many positive things which which are happening but which you don't read about because it's it's been overwhelmed by by his speeches yeah. etc so yeah so today it's it's really nice to see people who gather who celebrate who listen to concerts music and you, you, you can just see it on their faces, they are quite happy about that. But it's Prague, you know, it's just, it's different than anywhere else, so... Why is it, why is it different from anywhere else? <laughs> well, because it was here where many of the protests were happening, and if you walk around, you can see so many of our politicians, uh, you can see so many people who actually took a part of the Volvo Rotary, because it's only 25 years ago, so you can still talk to people who actually, you know, witnessed most of these things. So that's quite interesting. Blanca Sholava speaking to us on November 17th, 2014, a very special anniversary for Czechs. We've been so honored to be in Prague for this anniversary, and we've been so happy to have you with us today. Thanks for sharing this with us. And thanks to our editor, Rob Cameron, and the whole Progcast team. And special thanks to Griswold, who performed our original theme, which was composed especially for this podcast by Dalton Kaur. I'm Laura Zabliet. As we say goodbye, we share one last note of optimism? Pessimism? I'll leave you the listener to decide from former dissident Jan Urban. I would like to see the country after the next 25 years. Yeah, and I would hope for better. That's it. What does better look like to you? Working trustworthy institutions, excellent independent media, the sense of boring politics is my dream because it means that the state functions, the country functions, that people live their, their individual lives and uh, can hope and do not need to fear. That would be my dream.